I like completely stopped a threesome the other day and like restarted it because I just didn't, I didn't, I felt triggered. I completely felt triggered. You were listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hey, Slutty Scholars, I'm part of an awesome podcast network called Pleasure Podcasts. We feature some of the top sex and relationship podcasts in the world. Here's a trailer for one of our other shows, The Horny Housewife. Check it out. The Horny Housewife podcast, the co-ed locker room where I, Jordan, your host, discuss the realities of sex and marriage, the evolution of sex and long-term relationships, dating your spouse, and inspiring creativity in the bedroom, spicing it up, mixing it up, whatever you want to call it. It's time to get intentional about the pleasure you desire to experience. Every week, expect to talk a little shit, learn some new things, and I'm answering your relatable and oh-so-interesting listener questions. Tune in every Monday for a new episode of the Horny Housewife podcast. Sluts and Scholars podcast features shame-free educational entertainment. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Welcome back to another episode of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am very excited to welcome Ginger Banks. She has been involved in the adult entertainment industry for the last 14 years. After being cut off from her family members because of her job as an adult performer, she became an advocate for destigmatizing the sex work industry. After spending years learning about the stigma, she realized she realized this did not just apply to sex workers, but also to anyone whose sexuality fell outside of what society deemed to be normal. This led to her passion of helping all humans dive deep into themselves and unravel the shame-filled parts we all have in relation to our sexuality. Welcome, Ginger. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> Okay, so I'm starting this new trend this season to try mm-hmm. to ask folks at the beginning of the show what their most recent like best pleasure experience was. Um, so I'm kind of doing it to expand the definition of sex and pleasure. So it doesn't have to be sex related, but I really want folks to have permission to broaden that definition of sex and to kind of reclaim their pleasure as a human right. So what's the most pleasurable thing you've done recently and what made it pleasurable? <sighs> I mean, it's definitely going to be sex related for me, but I masturbated a lot yesterday to gay cruising videos. If you don't know what that is, it's like when guys go out in public and they like meet random guys out in public and like have sex with each other. And I watched videos, those videos for hours. (laughs) What did you like most about your experience? Uh, Feels good to have orgasm. (laughs) (laughs) yes <laughs> period that's it done okay <laughs> good for you um okay so you mentioned the word normal uh with quotes in your mm-hmm. bio so let's first like if you had to come up with a definition of normal quote unquote how would you even define it uh i think so like whatever society deems as normal which is normally normally haha a um heterosexual like marriage like relationship like that's basically like the most socially acceptable form of sex but i still think that even in those situations people have a lot of like hang-ups and sexual shame and things like that so i don't really think there is like normal i think in 
for the most part, we like all have similar sexual fetishes and fantasies and we're all just like the same parts, but arranged differently. So I think people just, people just want to feel like they are normal. They're always asking that question and stuff. And I think that like the more education you provide, the more people realize like, oh, another person experiences this and that and that, you know, Mm -hmm. I am more normal than society wants to let me to believe. Right. And I mean, I always get so annoyed when people sort of use this um, phrasing of like, oh, that's not normal or that's not natural um, when used to describe whether that's kink or BDSM or queerness or whatever. Um, Yeah, that it's not normal or not natural. But when we look at nature, including humans, there's a lot of fucking weird shit that goes on. And I say weird in a loving way of like, there's queer animals. Murder is natural. Yeah, Yeah, murder is natural. Oh, God. Uh, Not getting permission to murder. Arsenic is natural. Like, you know, like being natural doesn't mean it's like perfectly good either. So yeah. us as humans, can we be like, is it ethical? Like we have brains. So that's like the level I'm trying to mm-hmm. think <laughs> trying now. to use a brain. Um, okay. So what do you feel like is your new normal that you're more excited about? The new normal, not like having expectations and just like trying to be in the present moment with my sexual experiences. And yeah, it's like kind of like a life lesson, but I apply it to sex too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like the more I'm in this like field and in this community and, and friends with folks like you and, and other colleagues, like, I think that is what I want to be my new normal. So I think to me, the first step with it is connecting, like you said, with other people where you're like, oh, you do this too. Um, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to go back to any other normal. (laughs) I mean, my life is so sexually open and sexually like educational that I like forget that other people don't live like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I've had experiences where me and my friends were talking about sex parties. We're just, it's just, just our life. Like we're not. Yeah. Like know. how's the weather? How just, was yeah, the orgy exactly. last night? And I've had some people, this not some people. One time I had this guy come up and was like, I had to move my college aged granddaughters away from you guys because of what you guys were talking about and i was like you could have and my friend was like sorry and i was like do not apologize to this man first off second off you could have just left you didn't need to come up and say that to us you know what i mean i forget that we are very lucky and privileged to live in this non-judgmental communities that we have and we've curated for ourselves though yeah i mean that is a good point i wonder at what point does it go over a consent boundary of being so open to where it's not okay to have in public? I think that the way that we think of sex and we are so internally shamed about it that we are, and it's all, it's good to be hyper um, concerned about consent, but like those, I think that's the same thing as some people who are like, you shouldn't be naked around kids or things like that, you know, where it's like, we have this interesting view of sex in America where it's like, I feel like in another country, someone would be like, 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 it's not violating to talk about, is it, is it really violating to talk about sex in front of someone else? Like in America? Yeah. People are definitely going to be uncomfortable, but is it like, I don't know. Well, I think like you said, it's this sort of subjective and, and sure, maybe sometimes it's trauma related and, and that's a different story, but I think it is this like subjective culturally based thing rooted in shame. Right. Yeah. If we treated it like any other activity, nobody would ever be like, you know, yeah. I overheard you talking about yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. I overheard <laughs> you talking about going to the bathroom and I like I needed to move my college age granddaughters away from you. I was like, like that, like, I'm like, it's well, like, we're, yeah. we're so, it's so shame-based that we are like, 
hyper concerned about that stuff in 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 a certain in some way you know yeah i had some like random you know internet tech troll or whoever try to um like threaten to dox me with stuff that like i know they didn't have anyway but people still use this as like people still use this as like a threat or a punishment in which case it's not you know obviously you can sue them for non-consensual disclosure of your images and things like that but yeah. i got an email from like random person in my spam folder that was like hello you know i i hate to do this but um you know i've hacked into all of your servers and now um i have video of you watching pornographic content and ple- and and also video of you pleasuring yourself while watching it on a double screen double screen or whatever and like saying that you know if you don't send me this amount of money i'm going to It's a very to- common scam right oh, now yeah. It's so common and especially like-, like i've been seeing like parents having to educate kids on TikTok about that. Like that's yes. like what they're having to explain to them is like well, that's what I always say is like this sexual shame and sexual control only enables abusers. All it does is enables abusers to be able to use that against other people and control them like you just described. Like it's created this like entire scam industry, basically. Yeah. Versus in my head, I'm kind of like, if you had like hacked all of my stuff, you would see that what I do for a living and know that I like... <laughs> It wouldn't, I wouldn't be okay because it wouldn't be consensual, but also like fucking bring it on. Great. I'm really glad to model this healthy self-pleasure behavior. Send it the fuck out. Totally. Like, come on, take control of the narrative. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, actually, can you send me those videos? Like those sound nice. I would like to, <laughs> to upload them somewhere and have them for my, my historical right. files. A voyeur. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, well, you mentioned obviously that you're in a different place now with it. But when, when this kind of first happened, like with your family and they shamed you for being sex positive and doing this kind of work, what was most helpful for you to accept the grief or loss or whatever word of their pushback? I don't know if I ever fully mourned that, but I think that like um, taking solace or like joining sex worker community was yeah. something that helped me a lot. And like reading yeah. other sex workers stories, to just make me feel like I'm not alone in what happened. You know, I started to realize it was a lot more common. And then the more I learned about psychology, the more I realized like it wasn't really my fault. (laughs) Like Mm. it was just you, if you're this sexually open, you can't expect people who have a lot of sexual shame and sexual secrets to keep you in their life. And so I, you know, that's how my stepmom and my father were like. And so like, that's what they were going to do can't handle me (laughs) what do you think has been most helpful in like connecting with chosen family or people that want to handle you (laughs) um just only choosing to spend my time with people who aren't judging me because of my job or like who actually celebrate me because of my job that there's so many people out there that are like that that like i'm not gonna waste my time with you know even family who treats me like that and so Mm -hmm. it's kind of a blessing in disguise sometimes when i look back at like you know my really unhealthy family members i think about how i probably would have ended up cutting them out of my life eventually anyways for other reasons yeah so it was like it it would probably happen anyways so it really pushed me into being an advocate when i look back at things like i don't know i I don't know if i ever would have been as passionate i'm sure maybe eventually i would have ended up in this but it really like shoved me into that and where i was like this is just like insane that my family would treat me this way yeah it's so beyond Yeah. It's so fucked up. And that's something that like, I have to work on with clients 
still, you know, years later, this, it runs, the shame runs so deep and it's so fucking painful. And to maybe celebrate that choice for you, what do you feel like is the most like, and I say again, this word with love, like the most weirdest quote unquote, non-societal normal thing that you do now that you're most proud of. I mean, it's definitely my job. It's like by far, like goes against everything society expects or like, you know, wants out of a woman. Like, I'm not going to be like sexually pious. I'm not going to have only one partner. I'm not going to, you know, ever be dependent on a man. Um, And I'm going to make a lot of money doing this. And so I think that like, there's just like this narrative that porn is inherently harmful too. And so I think that like, I'm trying to expose like, but that's like a completely unjust, unfounded narrative. So I think it's like not normal to be like, yeah, I do porn and I'm proud of it. And mm-hmm. I'm going to wear the merch everywhere. Yeah. And if you want to have a discussion with me about it, like I can handle myself no matter what you're going to say pretty much. Yeah. And you kind of transition from more mainstream stuff to really like doing your own thing and being more of your own boss. Like um, I've that? always kind of been my own boss. Like I started as a webcam model and then uh-huh. I did maybe 10 scenes for pro- professional production companies, maybe a year or less. I worked doing that. And then I've, I've always, I was always shooting content for myself throughout those. So even when I shot those 10 scenes, I think I shot maybe like 35 of my own scenes during that year. Mm-hmm. So I've always done those professional shoots to just get more people to know who I am basically. Yeah. I mean, this is true, I think, for like any job thing. So not just in porn or sex work, but like, what do you think has been most helpful for you for being your own boss? Because I'm also my own boss. And I wonder like, what helps you stay like motivated? Is there any tips for folks who are like wanting to branch out on their own in working for themselves? Um, I try to stick to doing what I'm passionate about because then it doesn't really feel like work and it gives me my own like sense of energy. Like mm-hmm. I don't have a schedule. I don't have like any sort of like anything like that. I just genuinely enjoy doing what I do and I do it a I lot. Love and, that. and since I'm so like, I really enjoy like disseminate knowledge on social media I started to find is one of my favorite things to do now that yes, like, if you don't I, follow her you must follow ginger there's a <laughs> lot of good content well I, I mean it's crazy that like I started looking back at all of the shit that went viral on my tiktok and I was like that's all me talking I mean there's some ass clapping videos that went viral too that's pretty which cool which is but, so like, impressive you're so yeah. good at ass clapping <laughs> thank you <laughs> and it's like I did it to the beat so you know it's like <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I've, I've started to really just enjoy like, oh my God, I find out something that's interesting. And whenever I'm with my friends, I'm like, Hey, did you guys know this? Like fun fact. And I just like use my TikTok like that. Like I'll pull my TikTok out and treat it like I'm on FaceTime with someone and tell them a new fun fact. Ooh. What's been the most like popular fun facts recently? Um, a bunch of stuff about drugs is going, is really popular right now. Like I started talking about how like uh, if you test your drugs, like what comes up sometimes and just like, I don't know, it's been great. Yeah. Let's talk about drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where should we start? <laughs> I stick with psychedelics mostly. Like almost what's been the most um, helpful or healing thing uh, for you in like using that as a, a medicine uh, in your life? I think microdosing mushrooms and acid always helps you stay present. I think a lot of people and a lot of problems on earth come from people not staying in the present moment and worrying about the past, something has happened to the past or worrying about the future, something that hasn't even happened yet. Mm-hmm. And so I think that microdosing those can really help you stay present. But 
yeah, I love I love psychedelics. I love connecting people with psychedelics. Yeah. You um you were saying to stay like present on earth and um I couldn't think of any better segue because I don't know if there is one, but I remember when we were discussing what we wanted to talk about on the show. <laughs> you, you mentioned UFOs. And if anyone's listened to the show before, you know that I have a big alien fantasy. Um, let's talk a little bit about UFOs. How do they fit into your life? <laughs> well, I think that if if there's anything that like is potentially connected to each other, it is UFOs and psychedelics. Like if we're going to talk about like another dimension where I think that's where aliens exist because the laws of physics that their crafts or whatever, we would say like they don't really obey like our Newtonian laws of physics as we understand them right now. Uh Um, So I think that that indicates that maybe they live in something else. Like some other dimension in our brains, it's kind of hard for us to fathom what that might be. Mm-hmm. And like, I think the closest thing to like our consciousness is being able to travel between time and space is psychedelics. People yeah. who take psychedelics always claim and state that they are able to travel between time and space and like appear in multiple places at once, things like mm-hmm. that. And uh, even our the CIA has studied fucking astral projection and things like that. So I think that's as close as maybe like i have be able become able to theorize like where do they exist what's going on like yeah or maybe they live in the water like i don't know but i think that it's kind of silly to think we're the only thing on earth or in existence and on earth in the universe that has gained consciousness mm. like even dolphins could be aliens like i don't fucking know oh yeah for sure the things that live at the bottom of the ocean aliens like if i was an alien like I, and did you just watch nope like if i was an alien like come on it's gonna be really easy to like camouflage yourself I did watch Nope. Um, I love all stuff like that. And I often like will publicly make fun of myself because I know that it is something that people also like stigmatize and shame. So I'm kind of like, this is crazy. And I think this, but also like, I love aliens. <laughs> yeah. I think, Come I for think me. <laughs> there's something there. There's something there. I mean, have you ever heard of the Phoenix lights? Come on. There's like so much evidence out there that you're like, holy shit, this is crazy. Go learn about the Phoenix lights. If you never learned about the Phoenix lights, that was like the first thing where I was like, like thousands of people that saw this craft i also just like watch way too much ancient aliens and like that meme of that guy that everybody made fun of with the the crazy hair (laughs) i love him (laughs) he's hilarious i think my my one issue and complaint with it is like why haven't they come for me you know like yeah (laughs) take it personally (laughs) yeah i'm really taking it personally like why i haven't been chosen and maybe they've tried but my uni human brain can't see it but like where are you come yeah i think our brains like our our machines how we are able to perceive things is very limited as humans Mm -hmm. that's just it you know they could literally be here right now am i like come on Oh my gosh, welcome to the podcast. So you know, happy to like, have I don't you. Know. <laughs> like my dog can see like smells and shit that I just I can't fathom. And so like yeah. to say that like my perception is 100 percent of factual reality is just false. It's not such a do you feel like your belief in any of that stuff has um been like helpful or healing for you, either on like a spiritual uh capacity or something else? Mm. No, I think it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, <laughs> just fun. <laughs> like, I wouldn't consider them to be gods or like, but it's, I maybe like I consider like 
Uh, does that just because something is an alien, does that mean that they're like 100% good? Does that mean they're 100% bad? If we do the zoom out theory, which means like you keep zooming out from like bacteria to humans and then you keep zooming out again, like, are we just this like, you know, pile of ants to someone else? Like, you know, like that's a scary way to think of it. So that can be terrifying. So I don't know, maybe that makes you appreciate like... I definitely no, I, love I, this I, theory of us being ants that we're all just... I wish just... the aliens would come because yeah. I feel like that would be one of the few scenarios in which humanity might unite and stop um, being such fucking idiots, mm. you know, and like realize, you know, maybe we are more all one than we realize. Yeah, the collective conscience ideal. Maybe. That's, I think that's like the only way that we survive on this planet is we start to realize that we are all connected, even including the earth and everything that's on it. Um, and aliens. My big request. And I, I say this to like anyone who even remotely says that they make any sort of content like pornographic or not. I'm like, can you please make uh, some better film, some better sex erotica films that include aliens and like not hating on the tentacle porn. And if you don't know what that is, <laughs> have a Google. <laughs> um, <laughs> if that's your thing, that's great. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like a version of like, Nope, except like with the, um, that amount of good CGI and graphics where there's also like alien human relationships. I'll keep that in mind. Oh my gosh, please. Anybody listening who does that, please, I will pay most I bet you Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg has some like he like paid Casey Calvert thirteen thousand dollars to do this like fucking custom video in like the desert. <laughs> I bet um, you it. I hope he's listening to the podcast. Um hit me up if you'd like to uh share Put Steven that Spielberg in the <laughs> SEO. Yeah, leave a review, please. Thank you so much. Okay, coming back to um, our version of reality, even though that also includes aliens for the both of us. Um, something else that you are passionate about is sex worker rights and things like that. Um, something I wanted to talk a little bit about is how do we kind of continue to destigmatize the adult industry while still holding it accountable for like systemic issues that happen within it? So I guess what I mean by that is like, I think for a long time, you know, sex work is one of the only fields where we have to like consistently defend it much more than other jobs. And so it kind of gets stuck in this black and white thing of like, either it's totally all like happiness and rainbows, there's no issues, there's nothing going on, or it's horrible and it's human trafficking. Um, and so like, how do we find this balance between like calling out or calling in issues within the industry while also destigmatizing, I think you've been really awesome at that. And I, I'd love to talk about it. I think that because of that stigma and because so many people are like, it's all trafficking, it's all abuse, it actually makes you more hesitant to speak out against it in the industry because mm -hmm. you don't want to give those idiots more ammo. But mm -hmm. I think that is also what gives you credibility, you know, to people that are outside of the industry because I'm not going to say that anything is all good or all bad, like pretty much ever. You know, like, I'm not going to make a blanket statement. There's certain cases in the world where it is just to commit murder. You know, like, I, I think that I'm not going to make blanket statements like that. And so there's nuance in here. The industry is comprised of thousands, whatever, of individual people 
Some mm-hmm. people are still living in survival mode. They are still like, you know, reenacting their childhood trauma. And they're mm-hmm. doing that everywhere in every single industry. And that includes porn. And so I think it's important to stand up and start these discussions about consent and things like that, which apparently like they're so new in our industry. And I think they're new in society as well. So as long as we continue to like push that forward and focus on performers, like I wish the organizations in our industry would focus on performers who are known for being like empathetic and loving and caring towards um, other individuals. But I think that I don't know why they continue to like support certain people in our industry. I think it's just going to take time for like them to die out. Like, I don't know what to do or to create Mm -hmm. other organizations and industries and production companies that focus on, like I said, the loving, empathetic people that exist in this industry. I mean, someone said something to me the other day that like kind of made me start thinking. They were talking about how like men in the in the porn industry like you know like sometimes it's really hard for them to get hard and so they'll start to take cialis and when that stops working they will like inject themselves and that will keep their dick hard for like 45 minutes and then when that stops working they'll get like a surgery that like helps them it'll like pump up their dick to keep it hard and like mm-hmm. just like during the the scene and mm-hmm. someone made a comment and they're like oh so i can be completely disconnected from someone while i'm having sex with them i don't even actually need to be present at all and i was like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, but I wonder, does that like, is it like a disconnecting thing? Like, are they like, they're like, you know, like, it's so hard to be in the present moment. Like, what does that do to a person's like psyche? Like for so long, Mm -hmm. they're putting themselves in like situations like that, where they're like, not forcing themselves, but they're like, not naturally getting hard. They're dissociated. Yeah, they're just, it's dissociated is the word, right? And so like, like how does that affect a person's like empathy and things like that they're disconnecting them from themselves they're disconnected from themselves like i think that part of a lack of empathy is like dissociating from yourself like i think that is my theory of like childhood trauma and things like that adult trauma Mm -hmm. is that the more you dissociate with yourself and you are disconnected from your own emotions the more you are disconnected from other people and other people's emotions and i when someone said that to me i was like I just started thinking about like, how would that affect a human's like brain for so long? Because people always say like, if guys are in the porn industry for too long, that's when they like, you know, start to like treat the girls differently and stuff. And Mm. I'm like, is like in theory, forcing themselves to disconnect like that. That's why I love like Erica Lust and certain directors that are like, go have sex. Like, this is what I want to see in that scene. And they do it. And it might so like, only be, be eleven. Yeah, it might only be eleven minutes long, which is how long a lot of natural sex is. You know, it's not an hour and a half. It's not forty-five minutes, and to let them experience that naturally, and then you take the pressure off of them. Which have you ever like? Hello, what causes a guy to go fucking soft faster than anything else? Yeah, besides, pressure, like, mental pressure. Yeah, yeah. And so, like these, like you know, like tense, like set environments. I'm like gonna get hard. I yeah. literally could not get hard. I couldn't. It's absolutely impossible for me to think. But like then certain other directors describe how they like have their set and stuff. And I'm like, there is a more ethical way for us to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, like capitalism ruins so many things where we're like, come on, let's go. Yeah, yeah, what? exactly. On this podcast, we talk a lot about self-care, which also includes getting enough nutrients. As an ADHD person, I often forget to eat 
or struggle to carve out time for eating. It could be hard to find fast, easy ways to make sure I'm getting nutritious meals. That's why I love meal delivery options. Enter Green Chef. Go to greenchef.com slash scholars60 and use code scholars60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals. Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. They offer 10-minute lunches. Each week's menu includes two convenient low-prep and nutritious lunch recipes that are ready in just 10 minutes with no cooking required. Even the cooking options are pretty easy. I just made a delicious, flavorful shakshuka the other morning, and it took me 10 minutes tops. And they have just expanded their menu. You can choose from 30-plus recipes weekly, with the option to mix and match meals from different dietary preferences in the same box. Go to greenchef.com scholars60 and use code scholars60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com dot com slash scholars six zero scholars 60 use that code scholars 60 to get 60 percent off plus free shipping green chef the number one meal kit for eating well i mean i can answer a little bit about the the change in the brain um yeah so i mean when you are in a like dissociative state um some would call it like the freeze state some would call it like freeze and appease there's there's lots of mechanisms that can happen but basically you're part of your nervous system, um, is like overly activated to where you're like in shutdown, um, almost like close to closer to like sleep in some ways. Um, and so the part of your brain that is responsible for social connection and engagement, empathy is offline. And so like, for example, when someone is not saying everyone who dissociates, you know, at certain times is, is like, has a lot of trauma. I think we all dissociate at certain times to a certain extent. Um, but you know, what happens to your brain is it, it goes into a certain survival response to conserve resources. Yeah. And so it's less able to like in that sort of freeze state, it's less able to hear and take in cues both visually and auditorily. Um, and so again, the, the parts of your brain responsible for connection and engagement are offline. And so this is good when you're like an animal or a human that needs to freeze when you need to yeah. like play dead or you need, but we're not supposed to stay in that state. You know, that's supposed to be like a, a time to keep us yeah. alive. And then we're supposed to move out of it in an ideal stress response cycle. And so well, you're absolutely right that if somebody is staying in that state, the actual part of their brain in the polyvagal theory, which you all can look up or listen to some past mm-hmm. episodes about, says that that part of our brain is off. And yeah. so you are going to come across people who are struggling with social connection, with relationships, with empathy, because that part of their brain just isn't active. And you know what else you just made me realize is that they're potentially not going to be able to take cues from their sexual partner that are indicating right. that they're uncomfortable. That's right. That was the part that stood out the most from what you just explained to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it changes uh, your ability to make eye contact. It changes your ability to like hear sounds. Um, But on the outside, the person may look fine. Yeah. Yeah. On the inside, there might be a lot going on, but externally they might look like appeasing and like just fawning. I'm fine. Exactly. So yeah, that's, that's a real thing. And I wish that 
people in the industry maybe were like aware of that. Cause I do think it could really help on set. Um, 100%. I think I, I just that, wish more people in general, not just in porn, but that's the thing is that society doesn't know about these things, trauma right. and all of these fight or flight responses. And mm-hmm. so the fact that we're just learning about it now, it explains why so many of these things have happened. And mm-hmm. I don't want it to ex- start excusing it because now that we have the knowledge, we have to act better. We have to do better now that we yeah. have this knowledge. It's not just and like, oh, I wasn't responsible because I was frozen. Like, yes, you still impacted somebody. 100%. Like, I I think I've been in that situation too, where I was just like, you know, I didn't understand. And people are like, do, do you even understand like what, how humans like try to get out of situations like that. Like we understand, like this is a dangerous situation. We're like, how do I get out of it? This is the quickest and the fastest, you know, I'm going to make this person come or I'm going to come, you know, I'm going to focus really hard on coming. Like, so, um, I, I heard of talks of like some sort of free speech certification potentially for like sets. And, um, if you don't know what free, the free speech coalition is the industry, uh, wide lobbying group. It basically uses the first amendment in the United States to protect our right to make pornography. And I heard talks of something along the lines of like a free speech certification. And so my, the thing that I'm going to advocate for is trauma education. Like we have to be trauma informed being trauma informed is like one of the greatest ways that we can reduce harm in this industry. And so that's going to be like my big like push is for that because um, performers are going to say, uh, okay, I'm only going to work on sets that are free speech certified. Fans can say, okay, I'm only going to buy fucking content from people who have done this free speech, free speech certification. Cause then I can know that there's less likely of a chance that yeah. there's like some sort of harm or like eth- unethical stuff that's going on because it's never going to be a hundred percent, but we're doing our fucking best as an industry to regulate ourselves so that the government doesn't come in and force shit on us, which is yeah. like very close to happening. I feel like, I mean, it is, it does make me think of just like non-adult entertainment things as well in the sense of like, at yeah. what point is dissociating in the workplace like become dangerous to the person, right? And I mean, how many of us sex work or not, like do things in our life and in our work that we don't really want to do, but we feel like we have to do. Like it's yeah. impossible. I guess I don't want to say impossible. Maybe some people can do this, but it's really totally. hard to stay present with everything all the time. Totally. Um, and so there's things in my work, whether it's like taking notes after sessions or like yeah. doing some of my, you know, trainings, like usually I like them, but like, sometimes I am not super yeah, yeah, present yeah. or like, you know, notes that I have to take or things that I have to have clients sign or talking to lawyers to help do my forms properly. Like, I don't really want to be present for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) I, it's hard because it's, again, when I think it comes to sex work, there's an even bigger stigma on it because it's involving, um, sex in our body. Um, but people are so checked out all the time in most of their day-to-day life. I mean, Think about how much we watch shows and dissociate it, you know? Totally. I mean, on the, on the other hand, if you're going to talk, like if you're going to, if, if take out this, the work portion of, portion of this, if you're going to like educate people on how to have healthy sex, mm-hmm. if you're, if they are dissociating most of the time, what would your advice to them be? Well, I mean, first it's, it's also like. Because it's something that- they don't want to be doing. You know, well, I think first of all, like that is going to affect their ability to engage in pleasure, obviously to know like what their limits are and, and to to get with that. And like, 
like I said, I think I want to normalize that we like all dissociate at certain yeah. points throughout the day with different things. And so I would really invite someone to get like curious about that, not in a judgmental way, in a way of like, clearly you learned how to do this somewhere. Your body's yeah. doing what it thinks it needs to do to try to be safe. That could be from what's actually happening now or from something that happened in your history that you think you need to protect yourself from. And so totally. I'm biased because I'm a therapist, but like get to a trauma-informed therapist mm -hmm. to help process this because just encouraging someone to get present yeah. is not going to work you know, obviously it's like, obviously easier said than done to just be like, well, just let's get present, but like to a system, to a nervous system that has learned that it is safe to dissociate, trying to get it to be present when being in your body has maybe been painful or unpleasant. That's a big fucking ask, mm -hmm. you know, that this is a long yeah. healing process to help your body learn when it can be safe to be present. Totally. And that's where a a trauma-informed therapist can hopefully help you. Totally. I think that's also where microdosing psychedelics has helped me in oh, yeah, certain sexual more. situations. Like I said, it helps me stay present mm -hmm. generally, and that includes in sex too. And mm -hmm. so, like I said, I've done EMDR therapy to help heal from my sexual trauma. So I am not triggered and dissociating as much uh, when I'm in se sexual situations. But the microdosing is kind of like, it's like active feedback when you're in those sexual situations. Like I'm not doing my EMDR when I'm having sex with people. So if I've microdosed like mushrooms or acid, it just genuinely makes me feel more present and connected with the people that I'm having sex with. As yeah. opposed to like, you know, alcohol, I used to use that in sex to disconnect and to dissociate because mm -hmm. I was not having sex that I wanted to have sex. I, didn't, I was having sex and I didn't want to have sex. I was being forced to have sex. I was being raped by my ex. Let's mm. be honest. That's what was going on. So that's, if I'm drinking alcohol, it's not going to fucking cause as much trauma to me. Yeah. But now like Thank I want to sharing. experience everything more. I want to mm -hmm. be more present. I want to feel more connected because I'm only engaging in sex with people that I feel safe with now. And that's actually the best sex that I can have. Mm. Like it, I feel like, when you are the, you feel the safest with someone, that's when you are the most relaxed and the least tense and you can have the best orgasms. Well, and if your body learns to be safe with itself and knowing that like, if there is something that pops up that you're going to listen. Totally. Like, I, how I had healing that is. I like completely stopped a threesome the other day and like restarted it because I just didn't, I didn't, I felt triggered. I completely felt triggered. Like I just felt triggered and like the ability to be with partners where you can say like, hold on, I need to stop for a second. Mm -hmm. And like, they're like, all right, you know, like we don't need to, we don't need to keep going like that, like pressures off of you. That just makes mm -hmm. you want to do it again. And that's the thing is that like, I think a lot of people, they fuck up is that they just like they're their own insecurities are running the show when it comes to sex. They can't handle being rejected. They take someone else's trigger as like personally. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, why would she want to stop having sex with me? And the more we just learn about each other and like are able to communicate with each other, like the more we heal, like that was a healing experience to be able to like stop that threesome and restart it, you know? So like, mm -hmm. and I showed that in the video, it was yeah. all on video. And so I kept it in the video because I think... I'm trying to create. I love that. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's so important that like that was shown. Like no, not enough no's are shown in um, porn. I think it's like edited out a lot of the time. I think we really need to leave like our no's and our communication discussions like in porn. Like 
it just naturally helps teach people like, you know, this is what good, good, healthy sex looks like. <laughs> like, let's yeah, or show just, that. Or just to be clear that there's like different categories, right? Like, sure, we can have a category that more resembles like mainstream fantasy or Fast exactly. and the Furious or whatever, but totally. like, be clear, this is fantasy play. This has been edited for totally. your fantasy um, versus like, okay, this is one that's a little more like reality. This is one that's a little more that, you know, like to have these clear categories, you being able to speak up, like said, means that you were, or have done enough work in that space or in the moment you were able to be grounded enough to say something. But oh, I just totally. want to like name, as we were talking about the dissociation and the free stuff, that's usually an unconscious thing that happens. So like, Sure, maybe there are some people who are like, I'm going to dissociate now, but I think most of the time it's unconscious. So if you're someone who like is doing that and hasn't been able to speak up, like it's not your fault that your body unconsciously thinks it needs to do that. And it can now, now if you know that's happening, it can be your responsibility to get some help so that that doesn't keep happening. Totally. It's important to notice patterns that make us like suffer. You know, like it's, it's not a good feeling when you get completely like distracted from the sex that you're happening, but you're like not even there anymore, you know? And you know, what's really annoying is when we notice the patterns, but we're still struggling to shift it. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's a really fun part of therapy. (laughs) I've been trying to stop smoking weed for like five years now. And I am just like, what? God, there's like there's patterns that I'm like I am so aware of this but so if you're comfortable answering what is it about weed because there are some people who do feel like that brings them more presence and more pleasure and kind of doing it intentionally can be medicine for some people (laughs) yeah and I've thought that I can do it intentionally enough Mm. and I've convinced myself that I'm going to be able to do that but I fully have an addiction to marijuana like I just can't even like lie to Mm. myself anymore and I've gone on enough trips and I've done spent enough time sober that I know I actually don't need it I don't really need it to regulate my nervous system I have the tools to do that it's just and the fact that I've set the goal for myself to mm-hmm. quit like so many times and I haven't been able to do that. It's just like I I it's a full chemical dependency too. Like every time the only times I actually am successful at like quitting without feeling like the withdrawals are gonna drive me crazy is when I like taper off with edibles. So right yeah. now, uh, par- I'm not you gonna have all the anymore. insight. You have all the insight, but the shift. It's really hard to to make those to turn insight into action. I think I'm going to go to meetings or something. I can't keep doing the same thing and expecting like different results. Like it's not good. I have to do something different this time. So I think I'm going to go to like marijuana anonymous meetings. I swear to God, I I can't. Not trying to therapize you, but have you tried <laughs> hypnotherapy? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did some self hypnotherapy, but like maybe no, no, I guided. Look it up. Yeah, maybe I should look into that. And, at, you know, if it doesn't work for marijuana, it can maybe help you connect with aliens. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Um, so just to kind of maybe close or I guess continue a little bit on that conversation, um, there was a recent happening in the industry around a prominent longtime figure um, that I know you were interviewed about um, in a an article, Ron Jeremy. For folks who don't know Ron Jeremy, how what, what would you say about this person? I think a lot of uh, young people don't know who Ron Jeremy is. That's good. I guess uh, I feel old like, then. 
he's one of the um just biggest male porn stars who crossed over into the mainstream and our industry is just like so desperate for mainstream acceptance that they'll suck the dick of anybody literally and figuratively of anyone who actually crosses into the mainstream or comes from the mainstream so ron jeremy doing that i think gave him kind of like a pass in our industry to be even more of a douchebag than like other Mm. people and so he was accused of sexual assault and rape and was uh charged but then recently was deemed in uh incompetent to stand trial is that the right mentally incompetent to stand trial yeah so, first dementia or alzheimer's or something doesn't surprise me if that happened he was already kind of senile the last time i saw him and like i don't think that like jail and COVID is going to help anyone else but um it's unfortunate i think that it's a sign that things are changing that he even got in trouble in the first place but I don't yeah. know. I mean, I guess just to use this as a little bit of an example, like any thoughts about like an ideal approach or response from the industry that both continues to destigmatize sex work while also like holding some of these systemic things accountable, you know? Um, maybe we stop like if like okay, like in a society, like if you're in a neighborhood <laughs> and someone is like, um, Johnny stole from me. He stole this much from me. Johnny, oh, fuck, Johnny stole from me too. And then someone else is like, Johnny stole from me too. Like, you don't need to go to the police to have like a societal consensus that Johnny's probably a thief. And so maybe our industry should start to think like, okay, if a bunch of women are coming forward and they have the same fucking story about this person pushing boundaries and assaulting people, maybe we should stop making them the face of our industry. Mm-hmm. If we want any sort of fucking, if you really want fucking respect from the mainstream, you've sucked the mainstream's dick so much. Yeah. We can't but I have... think maybe because of a lot of variety of factors and additionally, like you said, the the shame and stigmatization of the field, it's like, oh no, none of that's happening here, you know? Dude, yeah. I heard Chloe Cherry, she's on Euphoria. I don't know if you saw, she was a big porn star that like mm. she was on Euphoria, so she's really famous right now. She did an interview and said like, yeah anybody in our industry like if they do anything wrong we immediately hold them accountable and kick them out of our industry and i was like what industry what are we even a part of the same industry like james dean literally said to my face one time that you could do whatever you want in this industry you just have to wait six months and everyone will forget about it (laughs) so no that's not true and i like come on look at society like the Me Too movement happened, and then there's been this huge pushback from all these people, mostly men, who refused to be accountable for the fact that they were, like, a part of an upholding rape culture, and so they're in such denial of it that, like, like, Cosby's out! Like, well, all this shit, like, Ron Jeremy, nothing's gonna happen to him. Like, this is just, like, we can't act like society, like, actually, actually changed. Like, there's so much work to be done still. There's so much work that's still there to be done. And I still don't know what the best answer is, like, for accountability. Because I certainly, as we were talking about before, I don't think any, for the most part, anything is all good or all bad. Same with any person. And that doesn't mean that it's an excuse for harmful behavior. But I think as a therapist, I work a lot with people from all sides of the coin. And so I still don't know exactly what it looks like from a systemic place of like 
not just going to a cancel culture thing where it's like, okay, you're out and you're not taught anything. And then you're just like existing. Um, but like how we call people in for an accountability process that really is sustainable and makes sense. I've seen some people do it in like the sex educator space where they have like a, a very, um, public like accountability pod and accountability process. But I, I still think there's a lot of work to be done to figure out this balance between like not just canceling and like closing the door, but how do we continue this conversation um, while holding people accountable and helping our society learn? It's really hard. I, I don't have the answer, oh, but totally people. Well, people can't take in new information if like, their like life is being threatened and ostracization is literally ingrained in humans to feel like a threat on your life okay <laughs> like kicking someone out of their community is that's basically like death in a lot of societies and like i don't want to be kicking out of people out of these societies so that the only places that they feel acceptance and like where they want they're gonna go straight to being white supremacists all right they're gonna go straight to nazis because like that if we keep kicking people out of our growth and love like places like this without giving them a chance to actually change nothing is gonna change i want things to actually change so like yeah if nothing changed but it, i mean yes someone has a repeat behavior and they keep hurting people, obviously we can't keep giving them access to future victims. But like what, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is either. All oh, I think I it depends on that person's that willingness. Me, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I'm very vocal now when, and if someone has hurt me sexually. And I think that that needs to be a huge part of this me too movement. I, I think it's hard to ask that of people, but I think that if you really want to have an impact, like, I don't know. I don't even know if these fuck people care, but I tell every, if any person has ever hurt me, I literally have had a direct conversation with them about like, I feel disrespected. You did this to me. This was wrong. Like, this was not okay. Like, and I've gotten okay responses. So I don't know. They'll never forget that I said that to them. I don't know if they'll change. It's not my fucking responsibility. And then outside of that, we can raise, sorry, men to be better because this is the conversation. Like, I hate, like, it is like a, sexual assault is largely a man's problem like that's their response to not knowing how to handle their emotions in my opinion and feeling entitled to other people's bodies well i think my answer to all of this is just um get abducted mm -hmm. by aliens into another dimension i know they're not <laughs> they're never gonna visit us until we take care of this shit that's what i'm sad that's what i say Sometimes okay I'm so like, this is the, the motivation they're gonna come visit us when we're worried about like <laughs> they're like they're still worried about like drag queens down there like they're trying to <laughs> prohibit that like what the fuck let's go to another planet like they're crazy i uh, see that is why <sighs> i wouldn't I feel come like... visit us if i was aliens either <laughs> that's why i have a um i think uh, an attraction to this fantasy of aliens it's it's not it's not necessarily like that like i said the tentacle you know alien piece it is this fantasy that there is this like superhuman or groups of superhuman creatures that are just like beyond the bullshit of our life and that they that that we would be yeah. i would be special enough for them to be like oh you've also transcended <laughs> to be chosen <laughs> uh anyway well we're getting to totally. the end here unfortunately but um how can folks follow what you're doing get in touch um support your work uh, my handle is the ginger banks, T H E <laughs> ginger banks. 
<laughs> on most platforms. So come say hi. And if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Slut Scholars. You can listen at slutsandscholars.com. Please don't forget to rate and review. It is very helpful. Um, and feel free to send this along to um, any producers who want to make some really high-end alien content. Thank you so much. 